0: you're not, you're not taking it like you used to. So let me really throw it at you. Oh yeah. Um, which I guess if you gamify it a little bit, I would say I definitely won because <laughs> like that. I, um, I was able to just kind of leave work and be like, I had a good day today. You right. know, I, I tore off tags. I didn't let people get to me. I didn't accept these labels that I would have even three, four months ago.
1: Right. Today on the podcast, I am airing one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, and I've been sitting on this for a season of my life that I needed to get through where I was doing a lot of my own healing and tearing out my own tags and really getting past those negative labels and how they were holding me back. And so today's episode is going to highlight a conversation that I had with someone who really was part of the inspiration of... Tear out the tags, embolden label, and now what is my self worth is a size zero. And what I realized in doing past interviews is that some of us fear sharing the truth and the depth of our stories because we have built a life that we may get punished for sharing the details of what's beneath the surface. And so for that reason, I decided to start doing anonymous interviews so that you can really hear the depth of what is going on in someone's life, the depth of the negative labels that are holding my guests back without them having to take this really massive risk in exposing themselves in a way that isn't comfortable for them. So as much as I want to tell you about my guest today, um, I want you more to hear her story and be honored by her journey and her walk and how she uses tearing out the negative labels in her life to her benefit and how she is continuously moving these obstacles out of her way in order to achieve the success that she desires in her life. She is truly amazing, and this is just a small piece of her journey of becoming a CEO. Let's get started. Hey, this is Beandrine, formerly known as... Oh, good Lord, we don't have time for that. This is My Self-Worth is a Size Zero, a podcast brought to you by Embolden Label. Here, you'll turn your negative inner dialogue into a goal-crushing identity. Let me ask you a question: When was the last time you let someone see you from the inside out? That's what I thought. Um, I find it interesting that you started with "I'm an anxious person." That might be something that we I want to labeled dive myself to. immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like still as we were starting. Uh huh. Cool. <laughs> I love that. Hang tight for just a few moments as we hear from our sponsor. I have been struggling with migraines lately, and they would not go away. You guys, it's Colorado, and it's so dry here, and I will get in the habit of not hydrating myself. So I called my friends at Rocky Mountain IV Medics, and within an hour, I had a registered nurse at my house giving me an IV, and before the IV was even complete, I felt totally fine. I was so amazed I never even had to get off my couch. Next time you aren't feeling 100%, get your mobile IV with Rocky Mountain IV Medics. Their info is rockymountainivmedics.com and I will drop a link in the show notes below. Okay, so I'm so excited to start this conversation today. Um, It's funny because right before I pushed record, you actually labeled yourself. I did. On Tear Out the Tags the Podcast. Yes, And I do that. I do that same thing. And when I met you, um, a a funny circumstance that we're going to dive into today um, made me see, like, I was going to say a version of myself, but it was me in you. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I've ever been able to kind of, you know how they say, like, you can't see the forest if you're standing in the trees? Yes. Like, I was so in my own stuff, in my own struggle, in my own self-doubt. That's just all I knew. And it, until we met, I wasn't able to see, like, oh, that's, that's why I'm holding myself back. Like, that's what's going on for me. Um, and I'm so excited to hear what you thought of me, too. So we met about two years ago. And we had a shared mentor. So I was working with him. And you, he was working with you through a company that you worked for. Um, and that was, like, our connection, our initial connection. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to know. First of all, give me some background on your career.
0: Okay. Um, So, I had started in the field about 12 years prior to us meeting. And I decided very early on that I was going to move through the ranks. I didn't really have any other vision other than I wanted a C and an O in my title someday. And I would figure out the middle part later. Right. Um, So that was kind of something that I was always working towards. And I joined a larger company that had more growth opportunity. So I was kind of able to move through the ranks there. So I started as an associate and then I, I moved to a supervisor a couple of years later. And then a couple of years after that, I was the manager of the department. And that is when I met you, was when I was the manager.
1: Yes. So this is the best part of this story for all those listening. I'm going to label someone a little harshly today. Um, we're going to call her Karen. Uh, you guys know that how I feel about the label of Karen. I, I don't think it's entirely fair. And I feel bad for uh, the nice young ladies um, and nice older ladies that are named Karen. Um, but for humor's sake today, we're going to call um, a character in this scene Karen. Um, The reason we do this is we want to keep this anonymous. I want my guest to feel like she can share her story um, in all of its detail, because I think all the detail is what actually helps those of us who have a tendency to carry these labels. um, Realize that we're not alone in this and realize that there's highly successful people who have been tagged and labeled and been put through seasons of hardship. And you've overcome a ton. And you're, you're far beyond and past this particular story. Um, but these situations do continue to arise. And we do have to continue dealing with them. So for that purpose, we're going to call her Karen. Um, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. so
0: No, we do not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are not those kind of people. No. Uh, so when you started at this company, you were hired by Karen, correct? I was, yes. OK. So tell me a little bit about that.
0: So... I was hired to be on Karen's team, and it was a pretty good relationship to start. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say she was very encouraging and very positive of me as a person on her team. She really wanted to help me. She wanted to build me up, and that's what she said. Mm -hmm. Um, It was when I became a peer that that changed, And I don't know if it was because she felt threatened that I was now a peer when she is the one that hired me. But I would say for the first two years, um, she was a completely different person. She really was. Mm. Um, And so I became a peer, like I said, a couple years later. And that's when the label started. And it got worse and worse. And then eventually moving to be the manager and her working for me, that's when I would say it went from you know, tolerable to just almost
1: unbearable. So let's, let's unpack this a bit. Cause I don't think this is uncommon, but you have corporate experience and I don't, uh, well, I, I do, but in a different, um, a different light. Um, I've never worked in a corporate structure in a company. I've more been, um, a consultant from the outside. So my question is, is this common for, almost like an ownership attitude like uh, because what I'm picturing when you say this is she hired you she saw potential she saw talent she saw hard work like I'm just I know you so I know you enough to know these are great labels you wear and so is it like I developed you you should be loyal to me or was or is it expected that you're gonna leave her team and go somewhere else
0: You know, that's a great question, and I think without asking Karen, I'm not sure that I can answer that for her, Um, but just to speculate a little bit on my experience in a corporate environment and what I went through, I think she wanted my talents when they benefited her, Mm. but when it was competing with her or maybe she saw, you know, that I was helping my team more than she was helping her team or something like that, I think that that's where the negativity came in. She no longer saw us as a team. She
1: saw us as competition. Which I find so strange as like an encourager of women. Um, But this isn't uncommon for us. Um, You know, I have found in my life that women do struggle more with this kind of competitive nature between each other. And I think it's getting better. um, I hope. But (laughs) Tell me about the when the negative labels started. And you say labels. Like, she was actually, was she calling you names?
0: I wouldn't say that. I think that the term labels came from our conversation. okay. Um, And I've been very focused ever since we met on treating those negative things as labels. Yeah. So that I have an easier time removing them from myself.
1: Oh, I love that. Um, So
0: definitely thank you for that. Um, But no, I, I wouldn't say that she was necessarily putting those specific labels on me. It was more of what she said. So if I had an idea, she would say, well, that's not a good idea. That's not mm-hmm. going to work. Or that's not smart. Mm-hmm. And so what I took from that was I have bad ideas. Right. I'm not smart. I didn't solve that problem. And so I took what she was saying and then I created the labels that I put on.
1: Yeah. And you're just, you're carrying them around like they belong to you because she did have authority at, at a point in your career as an encourager. So I do think that's, you know, an important piece of this is oftentimes when someone is in a position where they can affect us in that way, they have also been in a position where they've lifted us up. So in some way, we apply some of our success or some of our positive stuff to them, which I think makes it easier for them to then change the narrative in our heads or um, change the way we see ourselves. I'm curious. So know that when I ask these questions to Um, for the listeners. I I have my own experience wrapped in here. Like I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. We just worked for different companies. (laughs) Um, When you went two years as her peer going through this really workplace abuse, right? Where you're, you're being put down now and discouraged. And then you get promoted to then the next level where you become Her boss, correct? Yes. Okay, so you're now Karen's boss. I'm Karen's boss. And if any of you know a Karen, you know what happened next, Yeah. right?
0: Yeah, it was like a switch flipped. Even further. Uh, Even further, yeah. So I would say a side of her that I never saw began to come out, and it presented itself daily. And because of the two years prior of me putting these labels and accepting them as my own, I was not sure how to work with her. I was not sure how to handle her and I wasn't sure how to be her leader. Mm -hmm. And I think that that made it very difficult for me to navigate everyday situations that otherwise may not be difficult.
1: Right. Well, and she wanted that. That was her plan. She
0: thrived on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Anytime she could speak up and make me feel like I wasn't saying the right thing or I wasn't doing the right thing or I didn't handle a situation well, she would do that. And there were even times where she would go to my boss Mm -hmm. and, Try to get him involved in a situation
1: to tell me how wrong I was. Okay, so this is where this is the part that I'm I'm curious about, because and actually this is the part I kind of want to tell where I came into the picture. Okay. Um. So my mentor, our mentor, yes, like he's mine. <laughs> um. He and his wife own a company and they do corporate development and executive coaching. And he, they have a really amazing tool. It's a 360 assessment. There's a lot of them out there. I personally think theirs is the best. Um, but what it is, is you are assessed by all of the folks around you. So you assess yourself. Your peers assess you. Your subordinate assesses you. And your, um, I lost the word, um, your superior. Your superior. Mm-hmm. so you had gone through this assessment and we were getting ready to come in and debrief it. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were sitting at lunch beforehand and I had only done one other, uh, no, that's not true. I had done a team of three sixty assessments with a, another company. Um, so I had a little bit of exposure to seeing how it was debriefed and how it was coached, but I was learning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here I am, I'm coming in with all my imposter syndrome cause I'm brand new at this. Um, and, I remember my mentor telling me, kind of like, hey, look at this and tell me what you see. And of course, I was like, I have no idea. That's- <laughs> <laughs> no, no clue. Um, and what we had seen in past assessments is that most of the time, someone in a leadership position sees themselves kind of on a higher level than everybody else sees them. Like, they, they typically struggled to see where their team was frustrated with them. And with yours, it was the opposite. So your team rated you almost as high as humanly possible. I mean, you were at like a 4.9 something percent or a 4.9 something like out of five. And your assessment of yourself had you kind of in the middle, like a three-ish score. About there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was like, tell me why you think that this would be the case. And that, of course, I, was, I had no idea. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, once we got into the meeting with you, the debrief with you, that's when he started revealing to both of us what that meant. Um, I'd love for you, if you're comfortable, can you tell kind of the version of that that you remember?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say I was very nervous just to not only get feedback from others, but being asked what I felt about myself and what I thought about myself was something that I had never really been asked before. Mm -hmm. And not seeing these as labels at the time because we hadn't met yet, but just kind of seeing these as negative things where I needed to improve and where I wasn't doing a good enough job Mm -hmm. and where maybe I wasn't the leader that the team needed. That's really how I felt going into that. And I was worried that if that mentor and that coach and you saw things the way that I saw things, that I might be out of a role mm. or that I might be told that I was in the wrong position. And so I think I had a lot of anxiety going into it, just not knowing what the outcome was. And then when we went through the results and it was brought up, you know, you're team and everyone around you scored you very high, but you scored yourself very low, I realized that my perception of myself is not what others' perception of me is. Mm -hmm. So I had to really reevaluate and say who around me, who in my circle, whether that's work, whether that's personal, whatever that is, who in my circle is giving me these negative feelings about myself Mm -hmm. and why do I feel that way when the results clearly show that that's not how the group feels. Right. And so it was nerve wracking to say the least.
1: Well, and from an outside perspective, it's so funny because you, we come in and we see just this ass kicker. I mean, you've just, you've risen in this company very quickly. You have, C, I was going to say CEO dreams, but C blank O dreams. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you just, you, you wowed me when I met you. I was like, she's, she's awesome. Like Thank she's going to do amazing things. And then to see that you were framing yourself in this different light, um, was was really what rocked me because I had a very similar dynamic really at that same time in a position that I was in. Um, I think one of the things so our mentor had actually showed us in that meeting um, I believe it was in that meeting the team scores like how each person it doesn't show who necessarily did it, but there was only one person on your team that scored you low and it was um, the same scores really that you had that you had Decided for yourself. It was. And that was when we realized that it was this Karen. Yes. That worked for you. It was
0: very easy to figure out who, yeah, who like that was. Clear yeah. as day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, I'm curious for the listeners, um, how old were you at that time?
0: Uh, I would have been 32.
1: Yeah. So you're pretty young in, in career endeavors at that point. Yes. And how old was Karen?
0: Oh, goodness. Maybe... Late 40s, early 50s. Okay. When there is that age gap, especially the younger one being the leader in that situation, I think that that makes it hard for others. There is still a very, I guess, old school way of thinking in corporate America. And some people are getting out of that with the younger generations kind of working their way up. Right. But I do think that there is this old school of thought that you put in your time and then that's how you earn promotions. So in theory, the older you are, the higher you are in the company. And so when that doesn't necessarily work out, I think that that's naturally going to cause some tension between the leader and then the person that works for them.
1: Right. I agree. How hard has it been climbing a corporate structure with the label of millennial?
0: Oh, goodness. Well, I will tell you that everybody just assumes that I am the typical millennial and so when I say things that might go against that narrative, I get people that just look at me sideways mm-hmm. and they're like, really? You don't believe that you should just get a promotion every two years just because? And I'm like, well, did I earn it? Right. <laughs> did I put in the work? Did I show you that I've you know, earned that promotion? And so I think that it is funny, but I think people are very forgiving and they are really understanding that not all millennials are the same. And we don't all think alike. So there is that initial kind of, you know, I guess shock factor when Mm -hmm. they realize that I'm not that typical millennial. But I would say that it puts a label on me. And I have to overcome that with every new person that I meet in my career.
1: Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy that kind of proving to people that, hey, look, I'm a millennial and look what I'm doing? Or do you resent the label?
0: I love changing people's perspective of me. I honestly feel like that just gives me kind of a natural high. I think people, I I heard something that says that people judge usually within three seconds of meeting you. Oh, yeah. And so they're already putting those labels on. And I think when you visually see that they realize that that label is wrong, I get extreme satisfaction out of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do too. It's so funny because I've almost made it like a competitive sport. Like I'll walk into a room and I'll be like, oh man, you know, you can tell, I can tell who doesn't like me right off the bat. And yeah. then I almost, I, it's almost my toxic trait. I think that I'll like go out of my way to try to connect with those people, um, which I've, I've stopped doing as much of, cause I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, there's so many amazing people here that want to connect with me. Um, but I do enjoy that look when they realize they were wrong about you. Yeah, there's like something about that that's a little bit addicting to me. So,
0: like I said, it's that natural high that you get as soon as you realize that they're they're thinking, "Oh, I was wrong about her. Mm -hmm. I need to change my perspective. I need to change my thought because she is showing me that my initial judgments are incorrect." Right. Yeah,
1: I do think there are some natural labels that um, we're born with that we can't just tear off, Um, like being a woman in business, like being a millennial in the workplace um sometimes some faith components can come with that. Um, and they're labels we don't want to remove, right? They're labels we're proud of. But they are, they are labels that cause people to judge us more, um, more harshly or more quickly. Um, and I, I do think it's um, we have to reframe, reframe those in a way where we can make it a positive. Because what I'm hearing from you is this is something you're still having to overcome and prove,
0: Yeah, absolutely. I actually just started a new job at a completely new company about four months ago. And that means meeting all new people Mm -hmm. and getting to know everybody from, you know, from the beginning. And, and I think that that definitely creates the opportunity to show which labels are correct Mm -hmm. and show which ones you have to overcome. And so I don't think it's something that I'll ever have to stop dealing with as far as my career goes, just because I don't plan on stopping and with that is obviously going to come judgment and, and that type of thing.
1: So And that competitive energy, That yeah. right? I mean, yeah. that's just the way, it, the way it works in the world we live in. I'm curious. Um, so I guess I want to point out to the listeners that your story is one of two um, founding stories of Tear Out the Tags. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that. Yeah, so And it's a story I haven't told a lot. And I think part of it is because... Um, well, one, when you when you start something, I was fighting my own imposter syndrome and a lot of my own labels, and I had a long way to go um, to get through that. We talked about that before I pushed record, um, but I wanted your story so badly um, on this podcast, and it's funny that I've waited this long, but part of me is so glad I did because both of us are in completely different places. Um, we've both torn out probably hundreds if not thousands of our own negative labels, yeah. um, we've learned like a new practice of being able to say, okay, I don't like this label. This is how I feel like someone's defining me. And then we can either define it differently or decide that it doesn't belong to us altogether. Um, but what in that, um, so I was actually going through kind of a similar coaching experience with our mentor. Um really simultaneously. And you were the first person that I was involved in like co-coaching where you had a similar content to what I was being coached for, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I'm going through kind of the similar coaching and I got to see like the beginning of your coaching. And our mentor had taught me that I if someone threw something at me, like hurled a ball at me, that I would let it just hit me like a water balloon on my chest. Like, I just let everything land on me. Like, I collected all the negatives like it was my job. And in some ways, in my role in the company I was in, it kind of was my job. Like, I was kind of the brunt of that. Um, I was kind of the person who would enable people who didn't want to do their jobs right. I would, you know, kind of clean up everybody's messes. Um, And I was sort of trained to be that... um, I don't know, like people pleaser maybe. That's definitely a tag I've battled with.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty powerful tag.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this performer almost. Like we've got to make sure everything's done for everybody all the time. And so in my coaching, he had taught me that when someone said something to me that wasn't for me, that I should like lean out of the way and let that ball fly by my shoulder. And then I should watch that let's say water balloon hit the wall behind me and explode and then drip to the floor it to become something that i couldn't collect and that was really profound for me but i was in a a workplace environment where no one else was in the office with me so if i was on a conference call and somebody said something it was really easy for me to like matrix out and lean out of the way <laughs> and pretend that those words hit the wall behind me and it it occurred to me very quickly when we were coaching you That you are not going to be in a lot of settings where you could like lean back and act ridiculous and let this fly by you. And the, the whole point of this exercise for me was I had to actually rewire my brain to physically lean out of the way and actually do something tangible with my body because I had such a habit of picking up that negative and letting those things land on me that I... I don't think I could have rewired my system had I not done something ridiculous like that. And so Tear Out the Tags was born out of me realizing that these negatives were like these itchy tags that live inside of our clothing because of the, the, the other story of that was a founding story of this. And it occurred to me that we have the ability to just like yank those out of our clothing, literally just rip them out. Oh. And so that was what we gave you in that, in that meeting. And I, I will never forget how it landed on you. But I'd love for you to kind of, like, this is cool for me because I get to hear a version that I remember, but we probably remember it a little bit differently.
0: I'm sure we do. Yeah, we all have our own experience with that. And I would say that it was extremely impactful. It is something that I still do to this day the action of pretending that there is an actual tag on my clothing with whatever label was just put on me or I put on myself and physically ripping it off of my clothing. And so I loved that because I could do it in a meeting. I mm-hmm. could pretend that the tag was on my sleeve and I could do it under the conference room table. Mm-hmm. Or I could, you know, pretend I had a little itch and just kind of like do it. But it, it was that physical action paired with the understanding that I am ripping that label off of myself and it was a constant reminder to do that until it got to the point where it was habit mm-hmm. and so when you told me that of course you know initial thought was like well that's silly it makes sense but that's kind of silly to right. like rip it out and then you guys had me do it and I think I did it probably 15 or 20 times mm-hmm. just over and over and over in that meeting and I remember going home that night and going well what other labels should I tear out? Mm-hmm. And so it really got the ball rolling in this self-discovery of what labels have I put on myself? What labels have has Karen put on me? Or what labels have others put on me that I know don't fit me and right. that I know I'm not or I know that I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be that, I'm not that, and I don't want that label anymore. Right. And so I would say two years later, I'm still here no matter what it is, as soon as I feel, and it's almost a physical feeling, mm-hmm. I feel the label kind of hit me. Yeah. And I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, I don't want that. Yeah. And so I will do that. I will physically rip that label out to this day. Um, and it's a very good reminder that I am the person that I wanna be, mm-hmm. and nobody else can tell me who I am regardless of how many times they try or how many comments they make or how much they try to put me down, I am still the person that I am without their opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's been extremely impactful and I'm always grateful to you and and you definitely hold a very special place in my heart because I feel like it has helped me get to where I'm at now and it will help me continue to grow.
1: You do do in my um, life as well. And part of the reason is I watched you take action right away. And I don't think I was as—it's funny because this is my my concept, but you were you were more efficient at ripping out those labels, Um, and I think you were in a role where you needed to like there was an urgency for you to. But you, I I got to see you um, shift very quickly in your like being empowered and being emboldened to show up differently and taking control of the situation. Um, and I got just awesome feedback from our mentor on how you had had just like, well, torn out all these tags. Um, and so it was really inspiring for me to keep going with what I was doing um, because obviously it works, right? It absolutely works. I have a hard question. Oh, goodness, okay. Okay, so no, no pressure to respond fast. Okay. Take as much time as you need. Um, ha- how do you decide if a label is... Like, that's not for me. That's garbage. I'm leaving it right where it landed, not even attaching it. Or um, this is a label I'm getting often. Maybe it's even from different people, and I probably need to address this as an area of growth.
0: That is a hard question. I would say, honestly... There haven't been many tags or labels that have been thrown at me that just hit the floor. Mm -hmm. I think that I do take every label Mm -hmm. and it attaches even by one single thread. Mm -hmm. It attaches in some way. And I think that that's just because I'm still learning and I'm still practicing. And I haven't gotten to a point where I can just let them fall to the ground yet. So each time a label is thrown at me, I evaluate. And it might not be immediate, it might not be in that moment, it might be something where I just have to take it and wait for some alone time to really process and think through it. Um, But I I would say I evaluate every label, which is probably something that our mentor would be shaking his head at me for right now. Because, I mean, there are certain labels that I know I'm not. Mm -hmm. But they still attach in some way. So still practicing that. But I would say that I definitely evaluate all of them. And if I'm getting them from multiple people or multiple areas, I have to think of the why behind Mm -hmm. that. I think that the why is very important. And I think that I have to look at what situation led to that. Were there some consistencies in the situation? Were there consistencies in the group of people that or maybe commonalities Mm -hmm. in the group of people that I'm hearing it from. And so I think that's a big piece of it. But the why is the biggest thing for me. And I have so much learning to do, and I have so much growing to do. So in those moments where I am getting labels from multiple places, I see it as an opportunity Mm -hmm. to take that and really understand why I was given that label in the first place. Right. Sometimes that's having a conversation with those people that put those labels on me, and saying, "Hey, I felt this way after we had that conversation, and I'd like to discuss it with you." Mm-hmm. We're all adults. I think that communication has, you know, been a struggle for a lot of people, and I think that that's where a lot of these labels come from. Is it mm-hmm. a, a down or a, a breakdown of communication? Mm-hmm. So having those conversations and just figuring out the why if I can't figure it out on my own. Right. And then deciding if, can I change the label? Mm -hmm. Can I alter it to make it more of a positive label than maybe the negative one that they put on me? Right. Um, Or is it one that I just need to get rid of? And then I can ask for feedback. I can ask for... Um, you know, that continuous line of communication to say, okay, I want you to know I'm working on this. Mm -hmm. This is something that I don't want to be. This is something I don't want to do. And so I'm working on this. So if you see me doing this, or you see me being this way, can you just let me know, pull me aside and just give me that feedback. And I do know that that's opening me up a little bit for more labels or The possibility of that negative feedback, but I also think that that's going to help me grow. Mm -hmm. And I only ask that of people that I feel like I can trust. I would absolutely ask you for that feedback. I would ask our mentor. Mm -hmm. I would ask my former leader at my last job. I mean, you have to be careful, but I think that it's important because other perspectives can help you grow more than you would ever think possible.
1: Absolutely. You know, that's actually what has, um, I've paused, tear out the tags a couple different times because of my own development. Now, if, I own, if it was any other company, like I didn't pause my other business, right? Is, I didn't need to. But there's a huge responsibility um, that comes with teaching, leadership, influence, um, and a number of other labels that, that both of us wear in different capacities. And your answer of that just shows what an amazing leader you are. And there are a lot of C blank O leaders that don't have that ability to connect and really look at themselves and maybe decide, okay, I'm having this problem with my team. What am I doing or not doing that's contributing to the problem? Um, And for that reason, I just want to tell you, like, I have no doubts that you're going to be a C blank O someday, probably a CEO. (laughs) Um, But, you know labels are, when I first started this, I think everyone saw me as like, oh, B hates tags. Like she just wants you to get rid of all your tags, live tag free, you know, all those things. And for a, for a season I thought, well, maybe that is who I am. Like I'm, I'm somebody who really sees the good in people and I'm really an encourager. I was a professional cheerleader once in my life. So maybe that's like, that's what this is going to be. And then after I went through the learning that you and I both went through with tearing out these tags and, and you know, redefining some of the bad things and reattaching some good things and kind of starting the process, I realized that I, um, I really am wired for like, discovery and curiosity, and I'm very relationship-driven, so I'm very affected by people because I care a lot about people. But I did that my whole life without boundaries or intention, so I would often find myself in situations similar to what you had with Karen where you're like, "Well, I don't really know what boundaries to draw here because I'm a little outside of my comfort zone and um and so there was a a a knowing or a learning for me on how um how labels are critical for our safety." Mm-hmm. And so you really mentioned that in what you said about the labels and the feedback specifically, and I think it's really important for everyone listening um to know that that you you absolutely have to be cautious about who you're asking for feedback from, mm-hmm. which is what you pointed out. And then I've also learned that we can ask for very specific feedback. Yes. Right? Because I was that person that was like, oh, tell me how you feel about it. Well that leaves us really exposed to those labels.
0: It does. Absolutely. And I think that you make a good point, directed feedback, making sure that you're asking the right questions to the right people. I think that that's extremely important, and I think it can go wrong very quickly, and you've got to be prepared that if it becomes a situation where they are just dumping on how much they dislike you or how many labels they want to throw on you, you have to be able to say, okay, thank you, I appreciate your feedback, and I'll I'll take that, right. um, and then really sit on that and think, okay, what were they trying to do? help me with Mm -hmm. and what were they just trying to vent about or put labels on me for. So you definitely have to be prepared for what you ask and then you have to also be prepared to end that conversation if that person is not maybe being respectful or being helpful in their feedback because you don't just want them to dump all of the negative on you either.
1: Right. How, when you do this work, when you learn to navigate all these labels because it's complex like people think oh okay the labels are you know capable or incapable no there's so much gray and you know our words might be different than someone else's words and even our definitions are going to be different than someone else's definition sometimes our definition changes on a daily basis too like I've found that where I'm you know like I tried to attach (laughs) tried you're going to love this story I tried to attach the tag cadence last year. And okay. cadence for me was that like consistency that like I'm riding a bike. I've got a rhythm. Um, everything with the company is moving in a really succinct way. And for me, the, the definition of that cadence changed a lot. And I was in a s- huge season of transition in my life. Um, so I didn't succeed at th- Maybe I should just redo it this year. Um, but for me, like I would get frustrated cause I'm like, okay, three days ago it meant this, but then this bomb was dropped in my life, and so today it means this because I'm kind of more in survival mode. Um, and so it's funny because it's this, like, animal that's kind of always wiggling out of your arms, so to speak. Um, when it comes to learning all of this about yourself, because you really do, you like, you, you learn to define who you are from top to bottom and left to right. You really get comfortable with who you are, the good, bad, and the ugly – Right, like yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have some (laughs) negative tags that I'm like, this does belong to me, and and it's probably going to stick around for a while. And I know I need to work on it, and it's there. Like I can't deny it's there. Um, so I would like to have a conversation a little bit about vulnerability. Um, and vulnerability in life is one thing, but vulnerability in the workplace is is I think a harder balance to strike. So we have we have seen research in corporate structures where vulnerability helps. Team unity. It helps um, with uh, motivating. I mean, it's been really useful in corporate structures, and it can become oversharing to the point where maybe you overexpose yourself in a workplace setting. So when you when it comes to filling in the gaps for people, say um, I'm gonna. I'll just use myself. Um, Like I've told people, (laughs) you're gonna. I wouldn't say this actually at work, but, um, this is kind of a good, good scenario. Like I used to defer to two things in conflict. One was I'll either cry and look like a total moron or I will rip your bleeping head off. Like I have no, I had no ability to kind of like stay grounded and level once I was pushed too far over that edge. Now I no longer have that, but Being able to tell someone that, like, hey, I'm feeling kind of like you're pushing me, like you're poking all my buttons, and these are my two deferral modes, and I really like to not go there. It actually helped me to be able to fill in that gap um, during the season when I was learning kind of to work through that. I'm going to just call it an issue. This is Counseling 101. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how have you found that useful um, or even risky in the workplace?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, and I think that you really have to know yourself Mm -hmm. before you can get that vulnerable in the workplace, Mm -hmm. because to your point, you knew that you had these two reactions, and they were both extreme reactions Mm -hmm. one way or the other. Without knowing that about yourself, if you just decided to be vulnerable in the workplace and you just kind of let it all out... right? you were guaranteed to see either one of those at any point without control. And so I think it's important to know yourself. And I think it's also important to figure out a way to be able to put those extreme feelings aside in the moment. Mm -hmm. And this takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of self-reflection to be able to do this. But there have been times where I am a crier when I'm angry or frustrated. Mm-hmm. I cry immediately, never fails. But at the workplace, that's not how I wanted anyone to see me. Right. I didn't want them to see that side of my vulnerability. Right. I wanted to be vulnerable in the sense that I cared deeply about every single person that worked there and I cared about their success. I cared about their personal life. I cared about just them as people. Mm -hmm. And I think that that naturally takes vulnerability. And so knowing that I never wanted to get to the point where I was so mad or frustrated that I cried, I had to come up with a way that I could calm myself down in those situations. Mm -hmm. And so if I felt my heart rate start to get faster Or my telltale sign is my face gets really bright red and I feel really hot. Um, So if I feel that starting to come on, then what I would do is I knew that at that moment I could not continue the conversation Mm -hmm. and I would need to just take a step back. And so I had to get very comfortable in saying, I would love to discuss this with you further, but right now I'm not in a place where I can do that. Let me schedule a meeting for another time when we can Mm -hmm. discuss this again. And I think that really took a lot of practice, but it also came from knowing myself mm-hmm. and knowing my triggers, knowing when I was getting to that point to stop it before it was too late. Right. And so I think that there's a lot to be said for that. So really, I mean, the, I think the overarching topic of our entire discussion today has just been you have to take the time to self-reflect. You have to take the time to get to know Yourself, right. regardless of the labels that anybody is putting on you, that whether it's five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, whatever you can fit in to really stop and think, okay, who am I? What do I like? What do I want to work on? All of that type of stuff. I think it's extremely important, regardless of personal or professional life.
1: Yeah. You know, people ask me all the time, like, well, what does this process look like? How long does it take? And I'm like, well, you know, I can give you a framework, I can give you a like a marketing answer. But the truth is it's just like anything else. It's a habit. You know, I've, I've um, gotten more familiar and comfortable with like positive affirmations, which by the way, feel just as ridiculous as pulling at your shirt or matrixing (laughs) out of the way of a negative label. Um, But they work, right? They work when you get up in the morning and you say like, you are talented and gifted at people. Go do that, right? Like whatever it is. And that's one of mine. So um, what I think is, um, I, I always like have two directions I want to go with you because you're so smart. I got to keep up. <laughs> so there's a positive label well, for you. Well, thank you. you. I'll yeah. take that one. Yeah, you're welcome. Attach that. Yes. Um, the, I'm going to maybe ask you the hardest question of the show here. Oh, goodness. Um, describe for me, if you if you can recall this, take yourself back to that position, take yourself back to that role, back to I really would like for you to frame like being the leader over Karen, feeling like you couldn't lead, feeling like um maybe I don't know. I don't know what day was like every day for you to go into work. But I would love for you to describe like who was that girl or that woman. You're <laughs>
0: Yeah. um, It is a tough one. Um, I think that it's hard to go back to a time that was so negative for you and really reflect, but again, it's absolutely necessary. So that person that I was when being the leader over Karen, I would say almost... Not necessarily a shell of a person, but I really (laughs) didn't know who I was or what I wanted to be because I was so consumed with everything that she was saying and the feelings that she made me feel that I couldn't figure it out. I did not have the ability to slow down and just say, is what she just said True. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have what I needed to do that, and so I think that I was very lost. I was very confused. I was excited to be in this manager position, and I was feeling good about myself. But at the same time, every single day was, "What am I doing? Why am I here? Why did they hire me?" Um, and I think it almost takes imposter syndrome to a new level. Yeah, because you already feel like, "Do I really deserve to be here?" and then you get feedback? No, you don't. Right. Right. <laughs> so, I think that it was just very hard to wake up every day and be excited about the role that I had worked so hard to get to. And so, it took a lot of the positives out of it for a very long time, and it was a very negative time in mm-hmm. my life, and that didn't even include the Personal stuff that I was dealing with. And so you have to think, people always say, you know, leave your personal life at the door. That's fine. But is that realistic? Not usually. It's not healthy either. It's not. And I think that you have to balance them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, dealing with going into the office, knowing that I was going to see Karen, knowing that there would be something that she was unhappy about and she would come to me to fix it knowing that she was just going to tell me I couldn't fix it. right? Um, and so I think that it was a very dark time for me. I think that I grew tremendously through that time, and I am extremely grateful for Karen. I am extre- extremely grateful for that situation that I was in because I don't think I would be where I'm at today without it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to Karen, I say thank you <laughs> for being such a, a lesson right. in my life. And teaching me how to deal with people who are just rooting against you, right at every turn. And so, um,
1: do you? I'm going to stop you. Sure. Do you see it that way now? Do you see it the same way that you did then that she that she really had a problem with you, or do you is it framed different differently for you now that you're out of it? I think. That her
0: problem is with her Mm -hmm. and she was projecting on me Mm -hmm. and I think that she needs to do what we're doing and she needs to have that self-reflection and she needs to figure out what would make her a happier person and figuring out which labels she wants to keep and which ones she needs to get rid of. Right. Um, However, I don't think that everybody likes self-reflection and I don't think everyone will take the time to do it. And if you asked her today, I think that I was 100% of her problem and she was 0% of her problem. Mm. So I just think that there are different personality types and I don't think that hoping that she sees it differently or hoping she changes is worth my time at all. Um, But I, I do think that it was something within herself that was making her miserable and it was just being projected on me.
1: Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. After you started tearing out your tags, after you started really learning, it's so funny, I laughed when you said I was a shell of a person. Just know that that wasn't like because you said that. I had a situation, probably the, the biggest, I'm going to just call him a bully, um, that I've ever experienced. And I, went, I was in a um, relationship with this person. And I remember leaving that relationship and I still to this day say that when I left that relationship, I was a shell of a person. And so when you said that, I was like, Oh, we really are. We are (laughs) sisters over here. (laughs) Um, and it just like, if you become, I think when you feel like you're a shell of a person, you're that much more susceptible to these labels that come from other people or other places because you're, you're wide open. You're like a dartboard. You know, it's like take your shot. Um, and I just remember that feeling so much when you started. So I, I kind of asked you this and then t- went off on a tangent. But when you started tearing out these tags and you started deciding who you were and you and you started stepping into the the strength of that um, into the like I'm ash- um, the ash- what's the word I'm looking for a surety
0: a surety sure yeah
1: <laughs> like I need English lessons here too. Um, (laughs) How did that change how you were able to lead Karen and, and how long did you work for her or work? Sorry. How long were you her boss after that?
0: So a lot changed in that last, I would say it was probably a year after you and I met and I got that coaching and really started focusing on who I am rather than who other people think I am. Mm -hmm. So I would say there was probably a good year in there where I was leading differently Mm -hmm. and it got harder. It didn't get easier. And that was because I was putting boundaries in place and I was pushing back. And when she would say things like, well, that's a stupid idea. I would say things like, well, let's give it a try and see what happens Mm -hmm. rather than accepting Her opinion that it was a stupid idea. And of course, that just made her even more angry and made her want to push harder. There were also situations where I had to really step in and be the leader and say, We need to talk about your behavior. Mm -hmm. And we need to talk about your communication skills and how you're saying what you're saying to not only me, but other people, because I was in a leadership role. And so I did feel a sense of responsibility for how other people were being affected by her and what she was saying. And so when people would come to me with feedback, being in that leadership role, it is my responsibility to have those tough conversations. And so I would say that the last year of me being in that role and being her leader was probably one of the most difficult years for both of us. If Mm -hmm. I had to guess, I'm assuming she felt the same just irritated with me all the time Mm -hmm. um I don't feel like she backed down at all I think it Mm -hmm. just made her kind of puff her chest out more and say well you're not you're not taking it like you used to so let me really throw it at you oh yeah um which I guess if you gamify it a little bit I would say I definitely won because <laughs> like that. I, um, I was able to just kind of leave work and be like, I had a good day today. You right. know, I, I tore off tags. I didn't let people get to me. I didn't accept these labels that I would have even three, four months ago. Right. And so I think that I don't know that I necessarily got to a point where I felt like I could help her in any way, which I know is not my responsibility. Right. But, I would say that I just focused on myself and I made sure that I was an effective leader for the entire team. I took focus off of Karen and I really put focus into the team as a whole. And when I left, it was a very hard decision to leave that team because I had put in so much work and so much time. But I think that it was necessary for myself mm-hmm. and to get out of that environment and it's not to say that i'm never going to you know run into another karen again right. they're everywhere and so right. i just feel more prepared for the next karen that i run into knowing that i came out of that situation so much better than I started it because of you, because of our mentor and really giving me the tools to work through that. And so I'm ready. Bring it on, Karen. I'm ready.
1: Oh, and your whole, I mean, I've not seen you in probably close to, it's, it's been more than two years, hasn't it? Possibly. Um, your, your entire posture is different now. Really? yeah, and it's granted, like when I met you, we were coming into a scenario where, like you're saying, I didn't know about all the fears that you had and all the anxiety you had coming into it, so that's maybe not a fair thing to say, but you can just tell that that confidence has has risen and has grown, um, that you've worked hard on it, that you've done the work. no but I think what what you point out with what you just said is, I think traditionally, and it's still happening all over the world is The loudest, most obnoxious person kind of tends to get the most resources and the most attention and the most, like, I don't know. Like, they can bully their way up corporate ladders and up really any structure. Um, And that's been a frustration for me of, like, I'm a good person. I care about people. I'm kind. Like, I, you know, I'm open-minded and whatever. Like, all of my positive labels. And then I'll look at somebody like that and I'll be like, how in the world does this person have a job and a good job and influence in the company and like whatever it is and no one likes them, but yet they're still there and they still kind of have this like gravity. Like it's almost like this negative gravity that they're pulling people towards them with. Um, And so what I love about what you're doing as a leader is you're like, not only have you grown past her to the point where you can manage her and kind of like, like, separate her out of the group but you can still lead positively with impact and like that's a gift I mean if 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 we could do that as a society with all of the people that we can't change and we place them like almost in a corner in time out the world would be such a better place
0: yeah I agree definitely and I think that we definitely need to get away from giving those loud people attention that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of them are of the mindset that any attention is better than no attention. Yeah. So even if it's negative, even if it's drama, whatever it is, it gives them something that they're looking for. And so if you take that away and you just really put your focus in the people who deserve your time and attention It almost takes away their power and Mm -hmm. it takes away their ability to affect you and put labels on you because you just no longer care really what they're yelling about. Right. So I think that's very powerful. And I think it's important that when we have that self reflection, we're also looking at who am I investing my time in and what is the end goal? Right. Yeah.
1: I have found that there are certain labels that you can tear out and tear out and tear out and tear out. And And then like you wake up the next morning and you're like, I got rid of you. Why are you still here? I have tons of those. So what's your stingiest? What are you still working on?
0: Oh man, deep rooted, probably the biggest, most obnoxious label that I have that comes back probably 10 times a day is that I'm not good enough. Mm. That's my biggest label and it impacts my personal life. It impacts my work life. Um, And it's just one of those where I can continue to tear it out. But I think that I have had that label for so long that it's going to take a lot more time and a lot more effort to get rid of it fully. Yeah, And so that's what I'm working on. I'm very aware of it. I'm very uh, focused on getting rid of that label, just not good enough in general because I am mm-hmm. and I know I am right. I know in my core that I am a good person and that I am good enough for my current role at work. I am good enough for my fiance. I am good enough for um, his kids. you know mm-hmm. I, I'm good enough in all of those situations and the fact that it just keeps creeping back up when you least expect it right It is probably the most annoying label or tag that I have and it is one that I am focusing on more than any other label.
1: You being driven and like you have high achiever goals. Are you the one who's always moving the bar? Is that like when you say I'm not enough or I I feel like I'm not, you know, still not there. Is it because the more you achieve, the more you move the bar?
0: Wow, I don't know. That is a very good question. Um, I've never considered that before. I've never really thought about where the bar is that is the good enough bar. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. That's actually a great question and one that I will have to add to my self-reflection. Yeah, good. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm
1: glad. Yeah, I'm always interested to see, um, you know, who's the motivator behind the, you know, like when when you say that, I think of the, the nasty perfectionist tag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I think it can come up as different labels. Um, I always say like, a tag like not enough or failure, like I struggle with failure. Like I've, oh gosh, I have my own brand of this. Because um, the only thing that ever mattered to me in life was marriage and family. I always wanted to be a, a, in a happy marriage and have a, have a family like what I grew up with. And I've been married twice and I've been divorced twice. It's literally the only thing in my life that I've failed at. And it's the only thing that mattered to me. Literally, at all. Like, people are like, oh, you've done so many amazing career things. I'm like, yeah, but I never even wanted to have a career. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, that's how far from, like, the, the achievements that I've actually had, I literally didn't, I don't, or I care about now, but I, they weren't goals of mine as a kid. Um, and it's funny, because when I look at that failure tag, it's like, it's almost like it's a template that I place on top of all these other labels that are like associated to each other, you know? So underneath that, um, are tags like people pleaser and tags like perfectionist. And I mean, I could go much deeper than that on that particular tag. Um, but sometimes I think in situations where we're wearing kind of a templated label, like a, a stamp almost, um, sometimes it's just, we are the ones kind of deciding that we're going to just sit right below that bar. And in order to do that, we have to keep moving the bar because you've achieved so much in the two and a half years I've known you. Um, And it's funny, right? Like I look at you and I'm like, how can you possibly be wearing that label? Um, (laughs) I I think that that's
0: definitely a good question. And the place that my mind goes is, what is so scary Mm -hmm. if I was good enough? Like, is Mm -hmm. it a fear thing? Am I afraid of feeling like I am good enough? Right. And so I think that, you know, anytime we put a label on ourselves, we have to dig deeper Mm -hmm. because you can stay surface level all day, but you're not really going to discover why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And so, you know, digging into that one obviously scares me. Right. Um, But what if I was good enough? What would that mean? What would that look like?
1: Right. Oh yeah, define that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, define the opposite. Right. So I think you know there have been other labels that I've definitely removed from myself, and I think with doing that, it's like now that I'm here, I love that I don't I don't have that label anymore. Right. But what if I got rid of the not good enough label? Right. What would that look like? And maybe I am just afraid of not knowing what that looks like.
1: Right. Do you think you're reserving that? Like, our mentor will say, you're committed to your negative labels for a reason. Like, for whatever reason it is, it serves you. And sometimes I will, like, so I guess my question for you is, like, when you are awarded that C blank O title, which will happen, I have no doubt about it. Thank you. um Then will you be enough? Like, are you reserving that tear out for that moment or Is that not something that's crossed your mind?
0: I honestly have not dug into that. Mm. Like, what is the bar and where I'm setting it? I don't know. Um, It is very possible that if I don't focus on this label and I don't dig into it deeper, that I could be the C blank O of whatever company making all of the money I could have ever hoped for, having the most amazing husband and kids, and still feel that way. Right. So that's a great question. And I really don't know what the answer is. And, you know, I will keep you posted. That's all I can say. You will be back on the show
1: for sure. It's (laughs) an open invite for you anytime. (laughs) Um, I want to end with uh, like, uh, how, who are you today segment? So how old are you right now? I am 34. Okay. You're so, oh my gosh. She's so amazing. You guys don't even know what she's going to do in her career. It's insane. Um, and you just started with a new company and what's your role at that company?
0: I am the a director at okay. that company. And so, um, I report to the VP. So there are only a couple levels between me and that C and the O. Yeah. So, um, I have chills by the way. Thank you. It's so You're cool. So funny. Um, yeah, so I am definitely excited about this new opportunity. I am focused, probably more than ever on just making sure I'm learning everything I can learn. Um, I'm currently in an MBA program Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's probably important for a CNNL Mm -hmm. to have like a master's. I
1: don't really know. Yeah. I'm just trying. It's just a constant up level with you though. Like you really are. It's, you're very good at the baby step piece. I know. Um, I mean really that's what life should be all about is kind of like these baby step growth steps every day. And I think we're told a lie that by the time we're 18, we have to have it figured out. And we we kind of are who we are at that point. Yeah. And there's literally nothing further from the truth than that. So it's so cool to see you like, you know it's going to add value, so you're doing it. And that's action. That's what will make you end up in that role. End up is not the right wording for that. Um, it will make you earn that role. Um, it, it's truly an honor to have you here and have this conversation like i'm you probably feel like i'm being ridiculous but you have no idea what it means to me being someone who has um like has or had i think i still am working on the threads too so that's why i say that um being someone who's wired to pick up those negative labels to be hard on yourself to want to be better for others to care about others to, um, to want to embolden the people that work for you, to do all these things and to get to see you and your process and to get to hear how you're moving is just, it's an honor. It's a really cool, it's been a really cool experience for me. And so I thank you for um, just being you, like just being you and all of the good that you offer the world because we, we don't live in a world that has all good to offer, as, as we both know, so...
0: Well, thank you very much, and I just hope you know how much you have helped me throughout this. I mean, I know that we haven't seen each other in a little while, but I think that you and that coaching session have stuck with me every single day, and you really helped me get through some very dark times, and I don't know if you know that. I don't, yeah. Um, But I think that it's important that you know that now, and that you are out there helping people and this podcast has such a positive message and it can really be a life changing process as silly as some people may think that it sounds just tearing off those tags. It has taken not just my career, but me personally, it's taken me to a whole nother level and I I really
1: appreciate that. So thank you. That's incredible. Thank you. I appreciate that. So you're, you're who you are today. Can you give me some positive labels that you've attached?
0: Positive labels. I am um, an amazing fiance and soon to be wife. So that is fun. Um, I'm a a great stepmom. I love very, I love with all of my heart. And I think that that's a really big one for me is just loving wholeheartedly, no matter who I'm encountering. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm driven. I am excited just in general, I would say I'm excited about whatever it is. I mean, you could tell me that you got a new goldfish and I would be like over Enthusiastic. the, yeah, I would yes. be, I would just be ecstatic for you. Yeah. So, um, an excited person and just a very grateful
1: person. Mm. I love all of those. Thank you. I just, do you want to be best friends? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, thank you for coming on the show and thank you. you did awesome. This was Um, We started this with you saying, I've never done a podcast. Well, maybe you should do some more.
0: Well, thank you very much. (laughs) I appreciate you having me.